Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity, and they asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show, everybody. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Stories family, excited to introduce you to this episode. It's the first in our series of episodes highlighting the legendary Chicagoan, historian, storyteller, and all-around amazing man Studs Turkle and his book Working, What People Do All Day and How People Feel About What They Do. We had some great storytellers, returning friends, brand new folks, amazing music and cover stories as always, and an appearance by host emeritus Eric Garneau on the storytelling stage, which is always a sincere thrill. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope to see you come out and see us soon. I'm excited about the rest of this series, and I think after you listen to this one, you will be too. Thanks for coming along with us. Thanks for listening. So, this is the first in a series of uh, episodes dedicated to celebrating Studs Terkel and his legacy, and especially, especially, his, uh, especially his incredible book, uh, Working. People talk about what they do all day and how they feel about what they do. If you don't know who he is, he's an absolutely incredible man, uh, and maybe, I mean, definitely my favorite historical Chicago figure. Um, he was uh, he started working for the Works Progress Administration in radio and ended up being uh, an author, historian, journalist, radio and television personality. And one of the reasons I wanted to dedicate a series of this podcast to him uh, is because he is 100% Chicago and his ethos is exactly what this show is all about. His real legacy is collecting stories of everyday people. He thought everybody has a story to tell, and everybody's story deserves uh, to be heard. Everyone deserves a chance to tell that story. Pulitzer Prize winning, incredible person, and so tonight is customers, and we're following it up with management, and then labor. 
Um, I'm excited about tonight. It should be a good time. And we kick it off like we always do with, just like every other your stories, the best damn pandit podcasting cover story. We planned that. Woo! I thought we were the Pulitzer winners. We are not. One no award. <laughs> we play songs that other people wrote. But <laughs> uh, well, we play them well. That's true. So, Katie, while yeah. I start the the progression, tell us what we're doing tonight. All right. So tonight, you know, the theme is customers. So we're playing songs uh, that were made famous by commercials. So these first two are from uh, Apple? The iPod Nano in particular. Yes. And we realize that this chord progression kind of makes anything sound like bouncy and we want to be up here all night playing it behind every story. So that was when I realized my dad would never love me. <laughs> oh, I told that one already. <laughs> Have an iPod Nano? Oh yeah. yeah. Nice. This is for all of you. If you got an iPod Nano, give me a shout. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, can't believe anybody did that. All right. All right. So let's get started. Our first storyteller of the night needs absolutely no introduction, so I refuse to give him one. Uh, host emeritus and all-around ray of sunshine, Eric Garneau. Excuse me. This wasn't planned, guys. I didn't know I was going first. Um, this, is, this is only kind of tangentially related to the topic, but it's very timely. So we're talking about customers tonight. Uh, I want to talk about consumers. Those are, they share the same root word, right? I'm sure if you knew Latin, you could make it that claim. Those guys in the hallway agree with me for sure. Um, 
So I think many of us in this room, if we're here at a show uh, called The Nerdalogs, Your Stories, we're probably consumers of media, like obsessive, nerdy consumers of, of media. Uh, that was me for my whole life. I've always been a giant dork into giant dorky things. So um, I want to tell this story about when I was in eighth grade, and I posted this on my Facebook last night, but everyone was like out drinking and shit, so nobody, I think, saw it. So <laughs> I also told the story in another podcast, but I think there's no overlap. So if you've heard the story already, I'm sorry, deal with it. I'll just be here for like three minutes. So uh, I was in eighth grade, and my algebra teacher, Mrs. Niece, who uh, not really germane to the story, but it always sticks in my head that she looked so much like Tawny Katane from the, uh, the White Snake Here I Go Again video. <laughs> like, she was like the teacher that everybody had a crush on. Like, my older stepbrother's like, oh man, you gotta get Miss Niece's number. She's like, dude, what? What are you talking about, dude? Anyway, uh, Miss Niece was Tawny Katane. So, Tawny Katane, my algebra teacher, assigned, um, <laughs> assigned uh, us all in like our first week of algebra to um, interview three adults. And ask them a simple question, how much math do you use in your job? And I, I as a, a young smartass in like advanced algebra, all, all us advanced kids are little dicks secretly. I instantly deduced that like what she was looking for was that every adult that you talk to would say, oh, I use math, you know, in this way. And even if it's not my main job, like, I use it somehow. And I was like, Mrs. Niece, you may look like Tawny Katane, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break your assignment. I'm going to find an adult who doesn't use any math in their job. And I'm gonna, I, I don't know why that was my plan. Like, she was a wonderful lady, and it's a great assignment, but I was like, I'm going to break it. So... Um, this was in the very early days of the internet. This was 1996 or 7. And uh, there were these things called news groups. Does anyone remember Woo! news groups? Yeah. And so I was active on a news group called Alt Toys Transformers. <laughs> and on this news group, this is like proto Twitter, two of the uh, very active members of the news group were um, Bob Forward and Larry Dottilio, who were the story editors at the time of Beast Wars Transformers. Yeah. Uh, and their email addresses were just, like, out in the open. And they, like, encouraged fans to email them questions. And I'm like, if I can think of any job in the world that doesn't use math, it's probably story editor for Beast Wars Transformers. So never having talked to me before, I picked the one whose work I was more familiar with, who was uh, Larry Dottilio. Now, Larry also, you may know the name... Um, he, was, uh, he wrote a lot of episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He wrote uh, the series Bible and the pilot for She-Ra, Princess of Power. Uh, he wrote for stuff like Real Ghostbusters, Jason the Wheeled Warriors. He's a big RPG guy, I just learned today. Like, um, uh, he has a very famous Call of Cthulhu module called the Masks of... How do you... Nylon Throw Tap. exactly what I would have said. Um, so I emailed Larry. And again, he has no idea who I am. My email address is like, I think it was uh, picked after a Transformer, so it was like FortMax4 at AOL.com or something. And I, I emailed Dottilio at AOL.com, and I'm like, hi, Larry, you don't know me. I'm a big fan. I just have one question. How much math do you use in your job? And Larry's, I explained, like, this is for an algebra assignment. I'm not just trolling you, but it would really help me if you told me how much math you use in your job. And he, like, in a day, like, less than 24 hours, wrote back, like, boy, math class sure has changed since I was in school. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really use any. Uh, I, I just write words all day. Math doesn't come into it. I think he was like, I guess I have an accountant, but, like, that doesn't really count because <laughs> I'm not doing it. So I'm like, cool. And I, I typed up his response, or I copied and pasted his response. I turned it into <laughs> Miss Niece. And I, sure enough, I was the only kid in class who found an adult to interview 
who did not use math in their job. Uh, and I got an A minus, I think, because I was being a little smart ass and trying to break her assignment. But I also found the most famous person to talk to because everyone else just talked to their parents. I talked to the story editor of Beast Wars Transformers. Uh, the reason why this story is timely is that uh, Larry Dottilio passed away yesterday, unfortunately. And uh, it made me a lot sadder than I thought it would. And I think the reason is because not just I love, uh, because I love Larry's work, but because... Uh, I was a, a young, shitty eighth grader trying to like stick it to my very nice teacher, and I emailed him a troll question about how much math he used in his job, and he's like got real shit to do, and he took time to like answer my question and not be shitty about it. And even though now I realize like a story editor for a cartoon is just uh, a working professional like anyone else. At the time, this guy was like a celebrity, and it was the coolest thing. Like I glowed for like five days that this guy wrote me back about my math assignment. Uh, and I still think it's cool, and he's still, like, the first, like, famous person to, I put that in air quotes, podcast, to ever, like, interact with me and be cool to me, and that, that really meant a lot. Um, it, it's, it's very cool, and I think that's a good, maybe if anyone else out there has, like, a, a, a bit of a following, like, that's a cool thing to do for people who, who like you, is take the time to answer their emails. Uh, and I don't know, there's not really much of a point to this story, I just wanted to say a little something, a tribute to Larry, who is, like, far from a household name, but was very, very impactful on me, both in, in the things he wrote for characters to say, but also the things he wrote just for me to read, and that really meant a lot to me. So thanks, Larry. Uh, definitely cartoons are a little worse without you. The new Shira is great, but uh, you were the man. So thanks for everything. Thanks for listening, guys. Those moments are always so lovely when you get to connect with someone who means a lot to very, very specifically you. <laughs> it's a really good feeling. Um, our next storyteller is a long, long time friend of the show and uh, is coming back to talk after uh, not having seen him for a while. I'm so, so excited. Everybody give it up for Michael Galladay. So, I do Uber for a living. I mean, generally it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I get to meet a lot of people, go to different places. Every now and then, you know, you get one of those th those moments where you're like, why am I fucking doing this? <laughs> and um, that time usually is like stuff like New Year's or St. Patrick's Day. Or as I like to call it, the dark souls of, of driving Uber. <laughs> so, two years ago... I am uh, Ubering, and I'm like, it's St. Patty's Day, and it's about like 11 o'clock at night, and I have to go over to Clark and Division. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you know the area already, it's a war zone on a good day. On St. Patty's Day, it's a fucking zombie apocalypse. There's like drunk bodies stumbling everywhere. There's berries that are useless, and there's cops who are woefully outnumbered. <laughs> and... I get over there, and I call the girl I'm supposed to pick up. I'm like, hey, it's a big mess over here. We need to find a place to meet up. And she's like, oh, okay. She picks a spot like about three or four blocks away. Takes you almost like seven or eight minutes to get there. I get over there, and I see three girls, two of which are holding up the third weekend at Bernie style. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, like, that's not who I'm supposed to pick up. Not at all. Of course it is. You know what it is. <laughs> so I reluctantly go up to where they are, and they're like, oh, are you the Uber? Yeah. <laughs> so they dump the corpse in the front seat. The two other girls hop in the back. 
And I'm hoping it's a short trip, but it's a 30-minute ride out to the West Burbs. So I'm like, all right, cool. Let's just get this shit over with. Um, First few minutes are fine. Then we hit the expressway, and the corpse wakes up, and she screams, oh, my God, I got to throw up. Now, I had already started carrying, like, plastic bags just in case this would happen because, you know, New Year's happened already. I tell the friend who's sitting directly behind the girl, like, hey, grab one of the bags in the seat pocket back there and give it to her so she can throw up in it. This is what I say. This is not exactly what happens, though. (laughs) So, and these are those big, thick Target bags they used to give out, the big plastic ones. She takes the bag, puts the entire bag over her friend's head. (laughs) I'm doing 65 on the expressway, and I'm trying to watch... This, and I'm like, holy fuck, I'm about to become accessory to a fucking murder. <laughs> but apparently this is a, like a, a thing she knows how to do. So she puts the bag over her head. She slaps her in the back of the head, right? Like really hard. The girl leans forward. The bag slides down just enough. She throws up in the bag. It's like one motion. It's like the closest thing I've seen to magic in real life. I don't know what that says about my life. But, you know, there you go. And so we're like, all right, cool. She threw up. It's a big bag. It's a little gross, but as long as she keeps it, we're all good. We got like 20 minutes to go. I don't even finish that thought before she throws the bag out the window. So I'm like, all right, you know, I got one more bag. We're going to be okay. She goes back to sleep for about 10 minutes, wakes back up. Oh, my God, I got to throw up. Her friend does the same trick, but this time she does not throw up. I'm like, hey, that's even better. We're golden. She has a clean bag. We got this. Throws it out the window, too. (laughs) Now, I have no bags whatsoever. And I'm fucking panicking because I don't want her to throw up in my car because I know that false alarm was the only false alarm we got. (laughs) So I look at the map, and we're like eight minutes away. So that 65 turns to an 80. And I'm like, we're going to make it. So I get off the expressway, I pull up to the apartment that I think we're stopping at. And I'm, and I'm sitting there waiting for everybody to get themselves situated. The two friends in the back, they get up. They start walking away. The destination on, on the app changes to someplace 10 minutes away. And I'm shocked because who does that? <laughs> like, this person you were with is unconscious you want to leave her with a total stranger. And I'm thinking, like, man, either this girl is the shittiest drunk on the planet or she has the shittiest friends. Maybe both. I don't know. But, you know, I'm like, all right, fine. We got this. I'm, 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 I'm just going to go. So I'm driving. She wakes up. Now she's crying. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Hey, look, you have not anything to apologize for yet. <laughs> let's keep it that way I'm going to drive slow but you got to tell me if you got to throw up she's like okay oh my god I never do this I don't believe you <laughs> especially not after what your friend did I don't believe it all so I have to pull over for her at least once so she can throw up but I get her home safely and I'm like hey you go inside get some rest eat some bread or something but talk to your friends in the morning because they might be awful people. <laughs> oh, man. 
I think people forget more often than they should that when you call an Uber, Uber that's that person's fucking car. <laughs> like, that's your car. Dude, a guy I know said someone shat his car last night. Oh, man. Oh, it took such a brutal turn. At first, her friend was like a mystical drunk person Sherpa. Right. <laughs> and then just ghosted. Um... This is always a really, really exciting thing to get to do and something that hopefully over the next year we'll get to do over and over and over. I'd like to introduce everyone to a new storyteller and someone I'm super excited to hear, Ray Goldberg. Okay, so hi, I am Ray. Thank you for having me. So... I've actually met Studs Terkel. He was asked to speak at an event a while ago, a while, while ago, and my dad was helping plan this event, so he offered to give Studs a ride. I was sitting in the back, a ripe six months old, and just like crying my head off, as ripe six-year-olds are month to do, six months old. Uh, and Studs looked at me and said, hey, hey, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that good either but it's not that bad <laughs> and this is also it happens a very good summary of my history in the food service industry <laughs> I've been a barista I've been a fry cook but by far my weirdest job was at a cold stone creamery Woo! yeah <laughs> apparently we're representing tonight so this is just a foreshadowing of things to come the surreal thing for me about working there is you don't get regular customers because no one goes to Cold Stone regularly. <laughs> you go to a luxury ice cream shop if you are having a really good day or a really bad day. And that is the caliber of customers that I dealt with for eight hours a day for two summers. There is something about ice cream that turns people of every age into little kids again, so you can imagine the actual little kid customers were in heaven. If you've never been to a Cold Stone Creamery, there is an actual stone involved, and it is very cold and very creamery. <laughs> <laughs> so you use it to mix all the ice cream and the ingredients together. It really is an art. I had really sexy biceps by the end of those summers. And the little kids would stare at me like I was a magician just whipping up food out of thin air. And one kid actually begged his dad to order two extra ice creams just so he could watch me do it again. <laughs> Hopefully those ice creams went to a good place. It was probably the one kid just eating three ice creams. <laughs> My coworkers and I were always stoked to see kids come into the store, a sentence I have never said at any other establishment. <laughs> it's always a joy to make ice cream for kids. I cannot say the same for Northwestern students. <laughs> The Cold Stone I worked at was very close to Northwestern, so a lot of my uh, customers were students there. Some of them were very polite, and some of them were overly privileged tall infants who were away from home for the very first time and <laughs> drunk from the freedom and also the vodka and four loco cocktail in their water bottle. <laughs> if I was lucky, the students were a harmless, whimsical kind of intoxicated, like the guy who didn't want ice cream, he just wanted 21 ounces of white chocolate chips. <laughs> And I was perfectly fine. You know, I'm happy to oblige. Uh, I did try to melt it at his request, but I just burned it. And then he ate it anyway in one sitting and then saluted me and stole off into the night. 
But then there was the two girls who tried to turn my store into a mosh pit. I had a line out the door 10 minutes before closing, which, mind you, was like 10.50 p.m. in Evanston. And these girls literally started dragging strangers out of line and demanding they dance with them to the inane bubblegum pop blasting over the store speakers. I tried to put my head down and just barrel through the line as quick as possible so I could get everyone out the door, especially these girls, and especially me. I was worried about how much my non-trashed customers were going to be holding up, but they were all much more worried about me. I must have looked miserable because... That night was the most I ever made in tips. <laughs> One customer started to put a dollar in the tip jar, and the dollar's like still in the tip jar, still in her hand at the same time. And one of the girls started barking and slapping her arms together like a seal. <laughs> and she took the dollar back out and got a $5 bill and put it in the jar. <laughs> I ended that night with $35 in tips, and that was just me. That's not even the other people working. I got $35 in tips, and I can deal with a lot of drunk seal girls for $35. <laughs> Sometimes I get customers who were just as frazzled as I was, and I was happy to sweep my problems under the rug so I could try to fix somebody else's for once. One time a couple came in to pick up an ice cream cake that did not exist. The manager forgot to make it, then forgot to ask someone else to make it, then went home because that's what you do when you're a manager. I offered the couple a pre-made cake, but I didn't have the flavor they wanted. This is usually just a mild inconvenience, but this couple was seething mad, but also on the verge of tears. Apparently, this cake was for their best friend's birthday, and he was fighting a losing battle with cancer, and this could be his last birthday. So even in the middle of all of this anguish, the woman of the couple told me, I, I just want you to know I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad, which is very relatable and very sad. <laughs> I called up the franchise owner and asked if we could give them a replacement cake for free because that's the least we can do, right? He said that we could take 5% off. <laughs> I told him about their friend's situation verbatim, and he said, okay, 10%. I was well accustomed to this owner being a rude-ass, tight-fisted son of a fuck, but this was a new low. <laughs> now I was pissed. I gave the couple 10% off, but I rang them up for a small cake, gave them a large cake, and threw in a pint of ice cream. I wish I could say I did this out of the kindness of my heart, but I was running on pure spite. And the couple could tell, and they were just kind of fine with that. It's usually the little moments that make or break your day, especially in the service industry. They can put you in a completely different mindset minute to minute. Sometimes it cheers you up. Sometimes it makes you feel like garbage. And contrary to what your boss may tell you, you are allowed to feel like garbage sometimes. You are allowed to be tired and angry and sore. But once you're done taking care of yourself, see what you can do for someone else. Try to spin that garbage into gold. Thank you. I have, uh, I have been a drunk college student in a Cold Stone Creamery <laughs> in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and that all sounds right. Yeah. Um, I, that's amazing you got to meet him. You know, and that, like, that story especially, working came out in 1974, so work has changed a lot since then. Like, 
production's way up, satisfaction's way down, meaning and dignity have been burnt in a giant trash fire uh, for a lot of folks. But that's probably something that easily could have happened in an ice cream store in 1974. You know? All right, so... Another uh, old friend of the show, a good friend of the Nerdalogs, and a, a personal friend to me and a member of my Magic the Gathering League, I introduce you to Jeremy Connie. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I always like to be put on stage while simultaneously being told that I play Magic. <laughs> no hype. There's no hype. No, 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 and I don't want to hide. Not anymore. Uh, so, I run a, a boutique creative agency, uh, and boutique is just a nice way to say small. <laughs> it sounds nicer. Uh, so, that's to give you a little bit of context about how, what percentage of customer interactions I go through with my business, which is to say 100%. Um, I deal with very technical clients uh, or techie people, and I have the enviable position of all of my customers are my clients. Uh, That is to say that every customer that I am dealing with is also my boss because they pay me. Um, This is a challenging position to be in at times. A lot of times it's great. I'm very happy to be able to say that a lot of my clients, you know, we choose to have and we have a long relationship with. Uh, But there are also challenging times. Um, I've been in, you know, finding business for myself for around five to six years I've been networking for a long time, and the thing that I hear every single time I network is, how do you find your clients? How do you find your clients? What do you do to find your clients? Everybody just wants to know how to find clients. It's, um, it's not a simple thing. There's no one size fits all for this. Uh, oftentimes, it's very dependent on budget, what type of business you are, what type of lead generation works for you, but maybe not others. It's not clear cut. I, I just wish finding clients was as easy as picking strawberries. We've all been out picking strawberries before, right? Simple. You go to a strawberry field. You pay the nice person for access. And then you go up and down rows of strawberries and you find strawberries. They're right there. They all look relatively the same. You can see clearly which are good strawberries and bad strawberries. So you don't pick the bad strawberries. You certainly don't get into a you know, toxic relationship with a strawberry in negotiation about the budget of a website and whether or not they've you know, even identified their target market and they haven't even built a website before. That doesn't happen. But, you know, by the end of the day... Finding clients is, is just a, a, a long and valuable thing to do. It's, there are other things about you know, working in, uh, in a creative agency. Just after you get clients, thinking about um, you know, how do you talk to clients? It's important to create a relationship with your customers. 
In our case, we have long-standing customer relationships. It's all about building blocks and understanding together. Um, but that's not to say that's not fraught with challenges as well. I've disagreed with clients before. I personally have the mantra of uh, not that the customer is always right, but I always say yes to my customers, to my clients. I present them with options. I say, yes, we can do that. Here, are, here is option A, and here's your positive and negative associated with that, and here is, positive, is option B, and here's your positive pros and cons with that. You make a choice. So I'm always saying yes, which is great. But it's not always simple. It can be challenging. I've disagreed many times. I've had clients ask me for my recommendation on options and then choose the other thing. <laughs> Uh, and I, I am fine with that. I will take my ego, put it to the floor, and do the work. But I just wish it was simpler. I wish talking to my clients was as easy as picking strawberries. <laughs> oh, yeah, you thought that metaphor was done in the first one. No, we're going to go through it again. <laughs> uh, you go, I mean, sometimes you bring a friend to your strawberry patch. <laughs> and you go through and you pick strawberries together. You share a basket. Now, everybody knows what a strawberry looks like. There's no arguing about what a strawberry is. You will find a strawberry together. What happens for me is a lot of times we're imagining what these strawberries are with these websites that have never been done before because they've never done them before. I've, I'm exchanging, asking the strawberries for mood boards, <laughs> wireframes of strawberries <laughs> to try and find what the ideal strawberry is between me and the client to make sure they're happy. And that brings me to my third point. Client or customer satisfaction is very important. It's always important to deliver what the client needs. To have a, a, a large part of our continued success is being able to do that time and time again. But it's not that easy. It's not that simple to ensure client and customer satisfaction. Sometimes they want things that, you know, you know that they shouldn't have. That they just haven't done it before, and I don't want you to have the pain of going through this and just also be not happy with me at the end of it. I wish customer satisfaction was as simple as picking strawberries. <laughs> you go to a strawberry field, you pick a strawberry, you go home, you eat it, and that's where the metaphor ends. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'm a public librarian, so our customers don't <clears throat> directly pay our salary, but they will not fucking hesitate to tell you that they do. <laughs> that is also a strange kind of relationship. One, two, three, four. a mind like a diamond I want a girl who knows what's best I want a girl with shoes that cut and eyes that burn like cigarettes I want a girl with the right allocation who's fast and thorough and sharp as a tack she's playing with her jewelry she's playing with her hair she's touring the facility and picking up slack I want a girl with a short skirt.
who gets up early. Gets up early. I want guys. a girl who stays up late. Stays up late. I want a girl with uninterrupted prosperity. Uninterrupted. A machete to cut her red tape. Hey. With fingernail that shine oh. like justice. But a voice hey. that is dark like tinted oh. glass. She's hey. and thorough and sharp oh. of attack. She's hey. in the facility and picking oh. up slack. Produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com/nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>